yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranelagh, cold butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm not here to hurt you. A brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time imon irok the yen of chacht erachor. Agus suligam a makan sha gurfeder erachor inuik kiart len of winter fein. Skilti fis turmi. Tashe dochrecha nach vetoch ara igornamyan on kestchen ekol. Vien talam aginam griv arkar nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. This is an Irish independent podcast. This is Adrian Weckler and you're listening to The Big Tech Show. Now, is the metaverse finally taking shape? Or is it still a confusing idea that's making a bit of a mug out of Meta, which has invested $10 billion so far into it with not a massive amount of return? Well, one very senior respected person who believes in its potential is my guest this week, Paul Darty, a group chief a group chief executive of technology and chief technology officer at Accenture. You're very welcome to the podcast. It's great to be here with you, Adrian. Paul, can I ask you, first of all, are you very excited that we can have legs now in the metaverse? <laughs> legs and elbows are a big step up in the metaverse. Yes, I'm, I'm very excited about that. Yeah, it, it was. It seemed like a, a big move to me. What about the um, the MetaQuest Pro uh, VR headset? Fifteen hundred dollars. It's. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, I've had the the uh, I've had the opportunity to uh, to use it and preview it, and it's. Uh, quite a spectacular experience and it really is a, a, a step change in a big way from mm. the experience we've been with that we've been able to have before and the way it blends augmented reality and virtual reality is, is, is really very powerful and the fidelity of the experience the form factor of the headset and the way it kind of adapts the way it fits on your on your head and your body it's it's a, it's a very it's a very uh it's it's a it's a really like i said a step change in uh in advance in the capability for sure there was no shortage of interest in meta connect and we'll come on to some other things um in a few minutes but on the metaverse there really was no shortage of, of interest in it i mean the microsoft partnering seemed like a, a very good idea um very smart with teams and office and metaquest your own ceo julie sweet um took part talking up the metaverse's potential and talking a little bit around uh, accenture's own ambitions in that space and yet i did get the feeling that a lot of people were still a little underwhelmed or are still a little underwhelmed by the general idea there may not be really that much of a buzz uh, around of it as much as I might have expected after a couple of years of meta investing so much into it am I reading that wrong well I think there's uh I think there's it's there's a need I think to reframe the way people think about the metaverse and that's something I've been talking about a lot and yeah we were uh yeah we were part of the the announcement at uh, at connect with the 
talking about the the capability between Meta, Microsoft, and kind of how we at Accenture could help bring this to life in a business context for our clients. And uh, the reframing that I that we need to do around the metaverse is to understand that it's um, it, we call it a continuum. It's it's a continuum of experiences. It's not just about the headset. The headset is important. The immersive 3D experiences are important. But the way that you can use the technology to bring people together using 2D, you know, a mobile phone or a laptop, is essential to the way the future plays out. But it's 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 the idea of bringing people together in shared spaces where you can have persistent experiences. You can't really do that in the current you know form of the internet, and that evolved capabilities really uh, really game changing in, in our view, especially when com- com- combined with the um, what we call the Internet of Ownership, which is distributed ledger and blockchain capability, really enabling new forms of commerce, new types of money, you know, not just crypto mm. but stablecoin and fiat currency. And uh, a unique verifiable digital identity for people and products. And you combine that together, and it really does create a level of interaction that uh, we believe is as fundamentally different from today as you go back to before we had you know, digital and before we had these capabilities at all uh, for, for businesses. So I, I believe we're going to see next, we're going to see more change in the next decade uh, with businesses adopting the metaverse and this, this continuum of technologies that we talk about that we've seen in the prior couple of decades. I mean, it's very interesting. I remember the old uh, mobile phones with WAP, which was the first uh, really kind of internet-connected services that we had this side of the Atlantic on uh, sort of pre-smartphone devices. And the potential was there, was clear to see, and a lot of big uh, companies went big into WAP and a lot of operators did. And it's just the hardware and the infrastructure just wasn't there. Now, ultimately, you know, WAP, became was a vision of what was to come with our smartphones but at the time everybody sneered at it and laughed at it and i do wonder is it that the the metaverse and what you're talking about now is actually a very logical and likely future but that we're just that we that meta that everybody else might just be a bit too early that maybe we just don't have the infrastructure for it yet I, yeah, I think the um, I think we're seeing the the early glimpse of it. You know, there's the famous saying. I'm sure you've heard it before. But you know, the the, the future is already here. It's just unevenly distributed, and uh, so we're seeing you know glimpses of the future capability. But it's coming about very quickly. I use uh, ourselves as an example. We have something called One Accenture Park, which we use for onboarding our employees. We have had 150,000 employees onboarded in the metaverse, um, you know, globally using Quest headsets and other headsets. Uh, to do so, can I can I just ask you about that? Could, yeah. so when you say that, what, what do you mean by that? Say one hundred and fifty thousand employees when they are on board. Do you mean that as part of their first day at work that they have a, a session in the metaverse, or, or how does that work? Yeah, multiple sessions. So that when when it, an employee joins, they get a box. The box will include a number of things. It might include a, you know, eccentric T-shirts and things, but it includes a, a headset and instructions on on how to go and how to conduct uh, their onboarding experience. And there's parts of that that are guided as you might expect, and parts of that that are more self-discovery, and there's some learning uh, and such that takes place there. And the, the experience has been great for our people. The engagement uh, scores and reaction we get from our employees is demonstrably better than it was using the prior way of doing things. The learning and retention, we have you know neuroscientists and others studying this, so the, the, the learning and retention is demonstrably better. And it started as an experiment, to be honest, because we we had a small scale of this going on before COVID. COVID happened, we couldn't do onboarding the old way. We said, let's try this. And we started scaling it more and more and more to you know the point where we've now done it for 150,000 employees in the last year, and um, and uh, it, it, I think it, it just provides a glimpse of you know what this process you know can be and how you mm-hmm. can you know really use it differently. And I do believe that 
uh, contrary to many expectations, uh, I think a lot of the adoption of the metaverse will be driven by business rather than by the consumer market. We all think the consumer and we think Roblox and you know, Decentraland and all these things that are out there. Um, and I think a lot of the take up will really be in the way businesses use it in three dimensions. One is for employees, as I just described. A second is for creating new consumer experiences like you see with NFTs for products and uh, you know, for virtual fashion, fashion rooms and things like that in the metaverse. And the third and a big one is the industrial metaverse, which is using augmented reality and digital twins of manufacturing plants and such to operate more effectively. And that's an area that's moving very rapidly where we're doing a lot of work for clients in today. And you combine those, those uh, areas. And I think it, you know, you'll see business kind of shaping this more so than the consumer market, which is different than some other technology trends. I mean, it's quite interesting to drill down into some of those things. I remember hearing similar things for uh, for AR, for mixed reality, for Hololens, and you know what we're talking about now isn't strikes me radically different to to any of those things. And that's why I thought the meta, the Microsoft announcement was made an awful lot of sense. Great for Microsoft, by the way, because they now get to leverage uh, Meta's right. huge investment in hardware for their own ownership of uh, the workspace, but. If you take a company like Accenture, you employ what over six hundred thousand people around the world. Something like a huge, huge company. Yeah, over seven hundred thousand. Over seven hundred thousand. And one of the 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 issues for for Meta uh, itself has been that I think two thirds of the company of the exact they, they don't own a VR headset, and that they're finding it difficult to uh, encourage the consumption of their own dog food in their own company. I mean, would it be rude for me to ask, are there many Accenture employees, for example, who would use VR headsets or, or the metaverse on any kind of a regular scale? Yeah, we have a fair fair degree of adoption. I think it's a fair point. I, I think it gets back to this continuum idea. You have, you have to give people a choice. Not everything needs to be in a headset. The, the idea is getting people together. So in the onboarding that I mentioned, we allow people to join either laptops or phones as well. And some some do that, but most, most choose to do the headset. Uh, we've had our uh, we've had um, uh, leadership meetings, you know, in the uh, in the metaverse. I've got uh, my headset that I have handy for different meetings. We have uh, uh, different client meetings and such that we hold in the metaverse. Different employee meetings. So it's uh, it is something we you know that we embrace and uh, and do on a more regular basis. Now, does every employee do it? Not not at this stage. Yeah, that's the that's the evolution as we go. And um, I do think it's. Um, your 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 WAP analogy earlier is a good one because I think the, the problem that we have, and this is this is human trait that we have, is we look we tend to look at technology in the in the sense of what it is today. So we look at you, know, you look at the avatars, and as you said, you know it's nice that they have elbows and legs, but they still you know can, you can use some improvement to get to really you know, real realistic fidelity. People look at you know tend to look at the downside of it, of the technology rather than the advance and the pace it's moving. It's easier, Paul. It's easier to it's easier to snigger. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not a it's not a criticism. It's, it's a human trait that we have. We tend to measure technology in terms of its current rather than its future. And technology moves so fast that you that many miss the trend. And that's that's our point on. And, and we also tend to fear the new technology. By the way, so that's a human trait. Is we tend to look at what's the downside, what what bad is it going to do before we look at the good. So I think you know what we're trying to do, and when we frame up the metaverse and talk about, it, is compensate for those things. Let's look at where it's going. And I can't tell you the number of meetings I've had in the past decade or two, where companies have said, "How did I miss that e-commerce wave? How did you know Amazon or other sellers get out ahead of me in, in e-commerce? Uh, you know, to choose your competitor." Mm. And um, 
And my, my point is, this is the moment where you can look ahead at what's going to be a fundamental, fundamentally different way to run, in our, uh, run a business, fundamentally different view of the future of work, a fundamental, fun, fundamentally different way of commerce that's going to happen differently. And it's an opportunity for companies to you know, define the rules and shape what that's going to look like, or let others do it and kind of risk asking the questions one more time of how, how did others figure this out and, and I didn't. Yeah, um, you mentioned NFTs earlier on. NFTs might be an example, and here I go with my you know uh, negative uh, journalist uh, approach to it. But you, uh, NFTs might be an example where a lot of people and companies may now be thinking, "Well, actually, I'm glad I didn't jump uh, head first into that because in yeah. many of those markets, the bottom has fallen out about it." And and the basic idea behind NFTs is still a very arguable one. There's still potentially a lot of value in what NFTs could br- bring to civic society, to blockchains, to to a huge amount of commercial situations. And yet, it may be that just the, the first wave was a little too early. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think sometimes the first, you learn and you see you know, what happens in the first wave, and then you learn for the second wave. I think there's probably been too much focus on the N and NFTs in the real value may be in more fungible tokens. Mm-hmm. And um, and the other thing, you know, that we need is tokens, you know, is, is tokenization that's more portable. So if I have a, if I have a, a token I invest in, I can move it from, you know, from to, for, across different environments. And uh, there's an important movement happening now by the Linux Foundation called the Open, Open Wallet Foundation, which is a lot of the leaders uh, coming together around um, an open portable specification for identity for products, you know, for for tokens in the way that works, that really is is critical, uh, you know, to the way this plays out. But the the reason the tokenization and tokenization, I think, is something that will become much more part of our lingo in the in the coming years. Tokenization is very important because it allows companies to establish durable relationships with customers they couldn't before. So Nike has their crypto kicks as an example. It allows them, you know, previously a customer buys you know, Nike shoes, they don't know who bought them, what store they bought them from, et cetera. There's no persistent relationship. The ability to create a persistent relationship with a customer by combining a digital product or digital repre- representation of a product and create value in an ongoing relationship with the customer it really is game changing. I think that's the kind of move we're going to see and we're starting to mm. see from the companies that uh, that get how to apply the technology, and maybe maybe less so the board apes, right? Yeah, well, you, you got. I think the idea of I think the there's been a lot of focus in this wave one at, yep. you know, that we can learn from. I think the idea of creating artificial scarcity, uh, I'm not sure is is really the scalable, durable mm. you know way to look at the value that you create in these kind of markets. I think it's really about you know creating customer experiences. It's about creating pro, you know, products. And experiences that have value, and the idea of just simply creating artificial scarcity, I think, is a may apply in some markets, but it's not going to be a hugely scalable thing. Okay, now this is probably a question you're asked many, many times uh, when you know when you're down the pub, when you're out with mates or whatever. When somebody is asking you about real world uh, metaverse or virtual reality or mixed reality implementations at work, what example do you give them? Yeah, I we talk about what uh, what we're doing from an. I go back to those cases that I talked about. So you go back to uh, you know kind of Accenture and how we're using it in the employee experience and extending that. And I think that's that's real. And I can give you some you know, stories about the, you know, the impact that's had on our people. Uh, I think when you look at that at the second category, I talked about cons- you know customers and consumers and citizens and how you create experiences there. Um, I just I'll drill in on Nike again with Nike Land, which has over ten million people interacting with them through through their environment. Uh, 
Uh, Walmart's rolled out a, a capability recently. JPMC's rolled out their virtual, JP Morgan Chase has rolled out their virtual branches. Uh, in the uh, luxury goods market, there's a number of examples of companies who are, who are getting this idea of connecting a token to their physical product and extending the, the value. So lots of examples uh, like that that I think are the ones to learn from in the leading uh, leading lights of it. But early early days still, but I think that's uh, you can look to, to those types of companies. And then on the industrial metaverse, lots of examples out there. One we've talked about uh, publicly is uh, Mars, the consumer goods company using um, you know digital twins and you know, these new ways of working in uh, changing the way that they, they do manufacturing in a very powerful way and many others following uh, that suit and I think if, if you know my my bet my prediction would be first of all you know the businesses are going to lead in this and it may be the more industrial processes inside of business that leads in it because there's really compelling value to creating you know more virtual experiences using these technologies across physical you know machinery and physical you know, processes and supply chains and such and in the world today those parts of businesses are under real stress and duress given what's happening around the world and there's real value to be created by taking new approaches okay uh lastly um there is life outside the metaverse um what other trends you had a a big report uh this year um the Accenture Technology Vision 2022 and there was a lot about the metaverse but there was some other things um in that as well what other trends are you 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 seeing yeah i think it's really I, again i think the ne- this decade that we're in is going to be i think amazing in terms of the innovation that we see and that's why we have to overcome this this human uh, constraint we have of not looking far enough into the future so we talked a lot about the metaverse. The other kind of parallel, maybe uh, the, the yang, uh, the uh, the yin to that yang, is something we call the programmable world. Which, at on the one sense, the metaverse is about the world, you know, being instantiated virtually. But then, if you look at the programmable world, the world itself is becoming programmable in terms of the way we're connecting devices, uh, the Internet of Things, and all these these things we talk about. Digital manufacturing, as I just talked about, with you know the you know, industrial side of how things come together, and I think the you know, what really happens is we have a better you know through the metaverse and virtual technologies, we have a better insight and better ways of connecting things, and then the in- instrumenting or you know, creating programmable capability in the world that I think comes together with, you know, to create a lot of exciting possibility. And then the other one that we talk about is uh, computing the impossible. It's the you know the name of one of our other trends, and this is talking about uh, you know new forms of computing that are coming online. Quantum computing being the one that people probably hear most about. And there's you know, really uh, large scale, more generalized quantum computing is is a, a distance in the future. But having quantum computing architectures that are fit for purpose for solving real problems that cannot be solved today is a reality. And coming on quickly, we're applying this in pharmaceutical industry, in uh, chemical industry, industries like that, to to really do you know, material things for businesses. And there's a big security implication as quantum has the potential to break existing. You know, crypto uh, cryptographic standards. So, so you, you look to uh, you look to technologies like that, and uh, people talk about you know and uh, bemoan the potential death of Moore's law, which is the, the the law which has driven the exponential growth of computing. But behind that, there's new forms of computing, new ways of computing, like quantum, that stand to you know continue to drive this exponential growth and you know the new new forms of computing that are coming online. Well, Paul, thanks for being so comprehensive uh, with us today. Thank you very much for joining this podcast. That was uh, Paul Doherty, Group Chief Executive of Technology and Chief Technology Officer 
at Accenture. Uh, I'd also like to thank uh, Tabitha Monaghan, who produced today, and Gavin Hennessy on sound. And from me, Adrian Weckler, uh, thank you very much for listening to the, and I will repeat again, award-winning Big Tech Show podcast. And we'll talk to you the same time next week. Bye-bye. 